Hi, Insiders. We're live at the Essence Festival of Culture, and we're here with an amazing guest. He's the star of his own show on National Geographic called World of Flavor with Big Mo Quezon. I'm already getting hungry. Let's welcome Pitmaster Big Mo Quezon to the show. Hi, Mo. How you doing? Fine. How you doing? I am thrilled to be here in New Orleans with you. I already want some tips. So talk to us, though, about how you got your start in food, because, I mean, it's such a community thing, like family. You bring people together. How did it start for you? Well, for me, you know, I come from a large family. My grandmother had 17 children, and we were just a tight-knit squad. I got a lot of cousins, aunts and uncles. So we always had get-togethers, you know. It was either at my grandmother's house or my aunt and uncle's house or at the park. And so that was kind of my earliest times of grilling over fire and watching my uncles, my aunts cook, and, and it was always a good time. It was always a positive experience. So I just kind of fell in love with, with cooking over fire and cooking on the grill. And so we had a old 55-gallon drum cut in half horizontally at the, in the backyard with wooden legs and with the expanded metal grate. And I used to just play around, start a little, get some Kingsford charcoal and start a little fire up and, you know, and burn a lot of stuff up first, you know, before I started to figure out some things. But uh, I just love that aspect of cooking and taking meats and then having people enjoy it. And so my earliest is because of my, my, my family. I love that so much. And so I also want to take note, thank you so much for your service in the U.S. Navy. But now you are serving the world amazing food. So that is really, really cool. I want to know specifically, though, about this title, Barbecue Pit Master. Can you tell us what that is? You know, Barbecue Pit Master is a title for someone who has mastered barbecue pits. I think, in my opinion, everybody has their version of what they think. But I think someone that is a pit master is able to cook on anything. I don't care if it's two blocks, two center blocks in a rack, or you got a $15,000 offset smoker. You should be able to pick it up and understand the flow of the pit and figure it out pretty quick and go ahead and, and try to maintain a certain temperature. Every pit's different. Some pits like to cook at 200 degrees. Some pits you can take to 270, 300 degrees. It's finding that sweet spot, and then on top of that, is producing great proteins off of that pit. That's the big key of a pit master because you may know how to run a pit, but do you know how to cook those proteins correctly? There's a certain time that brisket is done. I don't care if it's a choice or select brisket or a prime or a wagyu, they're all a little different. And a pit master should be able to make that determination and make sure that everything that's coming off that pit is on point. Okay, I'm just like bow down right here, just like listening to you, fascinated. Oh my gosh, you're self-taught, and obviously all the experience that you have and the way that you talk, the passion, I can just feel it. It's so cool. What's your favorite protein to cook? Beef short ribs. I mean, steak's great, brisket's great. I'm from Iowa, we're all about pork and, mm -hmm. and beef. But when you can take a beef short rib and reduce it down to it, it renders down, and it's, it's a texture... There's that term we call sugar cookie. You go down to Texas and get some great brisket where the fat kind of sticks to your teeth as you're eating it. And it's just that because you've rendered out those collagens and fats and make it to where it's just nothing but succulent and delicious. Beef short ribs is my, my go-to. If I go to a restaurant and it's barbecue short ribs, I'm going to give it a try. No, not everybody does it right, but you should be able to take a beef short rib and put it in your mouth. It should literally melt in your mouth. 
Well, again, I'm just getting hungry right now. Okay, so that's obviously a protein that people are going to know about. But what about having people try things that they haven't before? Like, for example, here in New Orleans, I've tried alligator here. How do you get people to, like, try those new kinds of proteins? Obviously, you have the skill down of how you prepare it. But, you know, is there some proteins like alligator or something like that that people are hesitant to? Well, it's the aspect. Alligator actually is pretty easy to cook. But because it's intimidating because it's an alligator. Alligator you treat just like chicken. You actually treat it like a chicken breast. But alligator, even if you cook it correctly, you have to do some things to make it better so people can enjoy it, like put it through a tenderizer or tenderizer because just by the structure of the alligator, it's a very chewy piece of meat. Even if you cook it temperature-wise right, it's still going to be a tough cook. That's why a lot of people fry gator. Or if you're going to grill it, you tenderize the heck out of it. Or if you're going to fry it, they run through a tenderizer to break down the tissue. So therefore, it's like it breaks all the tissues down to make them a lot more softer. So then when you bite into it, it's able to chew easily in your mouth. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I've got to say, though, I had alligator though here and it was really good. Like just like you were mentioning, it's like if it's prepared right, you can feel a little bit more adventurous. What would you say is one of the most adventurous things you've ever eaten? I've eaten some crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, growing up. My grandma, I mean, we eat soul food, and there's a lot of variations of soul food. There's some things that I would never put in my mouth ever again. Growing up in my neighborhood, we have an Elks Lodge, and it's primarily a lot of African-American guys who served in the service, and they had an annual soul food banquet every year, and everybody brought something. Have you ever heard that term, do not eat everybody's food that brings in a potluck because some people just don't know what they're doing? I'm going to tell you, I had possum. And I've had possum that's really good. But this gentleman's possum, if you ever ate something and you put it in your mouth, and immediately it falls back out of your mouth because it's horrid. That was probably my, one of my worst things I've ever eaten in my life. It was just absolutely, it was like, it wouldn't surprise me it was roadkill. I don't know, it was horrible. I mean, my cousin and I were looking at each other like, I'm just looking at him like, oh my God. But there's chocolate colored grasshoppers, you know, a couple blocks from me, they were delicious. You know, there's a lot of things, you know, I've eaten raccoon multiple times, but you got to know what you're doing, man. You just got that. So that's got to be the worst thing I've eaten was um, possum. I'm like trying to hold it back over here. I'm laughing as you like recount this memory. <laughs> I really admire, again, the adventure, though. That just inspires so many people. So me, this is my first time here in New Orleans at Essence Festival. Have you been here before? What are you here for? Well, I'm here for the Essence Festival, but I've been here multiple times with my family, hanging out, just passing through. So, yeah, I've been here. I haven't been a lot, but I've been here a number of times. I can get my way around New Orleans. I'm hearing, though, that you're going to be doing a live cooking demo. This sounds amazing. Again, just talking to you right now, I can't even wait to see you with food. Talk to us about this. Yeah, I'm going to do a, a brisket demo. It's just something that I do normally when I do barbecue classes. That's one of the topics I talk about. And a lot of people get intimidated by brisket. Because, first of all, it's really expensive now. It used to be a cheap cut that they just ground in a hamburger. But we have to thank Texas for that because Texas is what put brisket on the map as far as barbecue brisket. And so now it's, it's really expensive. I mean, you know, you can get a 16-pounder and it might be $93, depending on where you're at. And so a lot of people are intimidated because they don't want to ruin it, especially if it's their first time cooking it. And so if they do cook it, one of the big mistakes a lot of people do is they undercook it. They, they think it's done. Well, brisket doesn't start getting right until you get close to 200 degrees, internal temperature. That's when the collagens start to soft, soften. If you take a brisket in its raw state and slice it and pull it apart, the collagens will look like spider wire. It'll, like a, it'll just be fine, translucent-type 
threads. That's what gives brisket its toughness. That's why brisket is the toughest cut on the whole cow, because that's the chest muscle. That's, they use that to get up off the ground. So when you look at a cow forward, from two muscles you see right there, that's the brisket. And they use that muscle to get up and off the ground. So it ends up getting really tough because they're walking, getting up off the ground. So back in the day, they just ground it up as hamburger because no one really knew how to cook it. But it was because of Texas, those guys were taking that brisket and they were slow cooking it. And now it's a celebrated piece of meat. Now, like a couple of years ago, there was a shortage of brisket because, you know, all these barbecue restaurants are buying up this brisket. And so the tips I'm going to give is something to help people. And I'm going to have a PowerPoint to hand out for people. But it's just once you take brisket and cook it correctly, it is a wonderful piece of meat. Wonderful piece of meat. So that's what I'm here for. You're very inspiring on so many levels. Obviously, the way that you talk, the energy that you have, what inspires you? And also, kind of in keeping with the festival itself, the power of joy. Can you talk to us a little bit about what brings you joy, what inspires you? Well, first of all, I'm a very humble, thankful man. I'm a confident man, but I'm a very humble man. And so me being able to do me is such a blessing because I was in the Navy and I got out of the Navy, and I got on the water treatment plant back at home, and I worked 24 years as a midnight water treatment operator, and along and doing all my barbecue cook-offs and, and vending barbecue. And I was fortunate enough to be able to walk away 2017 from my work to pursue, pursue my, my passion. You know, I told my wife, I said, you know, you know I, was, I was missing a lot of opportunities and things I couldn't do because I had to go do my 9-to-5 job. You know I mean? I have four beautiful daughters, got a household to take care of, you know, but I said, you know, my passion is cooking. My passion is barbecuing. That is what I really, really am excited about, and that's what I love. My job was great. I was thankful. It provided for my family, but it was like barbecue is what gets me excited. Going out cooking, making people eat my food. When people eat my food and, and watching their eyes light up, you know, that to me says it all because I've been cooking on this pit for the last 16, 18 hours cooking briskets or whatever, pork shoulder or whatever, and then having them eat the food and have them, the reaction, their body reactions, and they're coming up and they're like, oh my, that to me is icing on the cake for me. It truly feels and sounds like a labor of love. Like it's just from top to bottom, like you said, like you're remembering like how you were first around food with your family, all the amazing meals you had, even some of the adventurous things you had. <laughs> I want to ask though, for anybody who's a beginner, you know, like me, I am not good in the kitchen. If you want to start to get into this, into barbecuing, trying to become, I mean, again, you are an expert as a pit master. What's some advice for someone who wants to get into this? I say... The best advice I can give someone that's going to get into it, I tell everybody, learn your pit. Learn your pit. Meaning that don't get caught up in 14 spice blend rub that you want to make and all this. Take a pork butt. That's one of the easiest things you can ever cook. Take a pork butt. You don't even have to put no seasoning on it. Just throw it on the pit. But learn how to run your pit, how to master your pit. If your pit wants to run at 250 degrees and that's where the sweet spot is, Maintain 250 degrees. Look at your stack, your exhaust stack. It's all knowledge. For example, when you have a great running pit, now I've got multiple pits. I've got 20 something thousand dollar barbecue offset pits, and I've got three, four hundred dollar pits, and I can cook on all of them, and I enjoy cooking on all of them. But making great barbecue is managing your fire. Perfect air fuel ratio. So when you look at a pit and you see the stack and it's clear, and it's running at 
250 degrees or 270, that's a great pit. A lot of people think they can just throw stuff together and, okay, it's a barbecue pit. And then they wonder why it's struggling, why they have to go out and they got to baby it and they got to do this and that because they're not designer right. There's a whole nother element to that. But whatever pit you go by, if you go to the Home Depot box stores, whatever you go by, learn how to cook on it. Once you do that, and once you know how to maintain that temperature steady, you're going to have a good product. Even if you put no rub on that pork butt, it's going to be texturally right. So when I judge on TV shows, that's a big criteria to me because your flavor is your flavor. You know, you, I've cooked all over this country. You know, there's sweet barbecue down south. There's savory boulder barbecue in Texas. There's a little bit Tex-Mex or uh, there's all type of flavors out there. That's your flavor. And it all depends on what you like. But the big kicker that you've got to hit for me as a judge is your texture. That's the battle. Because your flavor is your flavor. You know, if I want to give you a raspberry glazed baby back rib, so be it. But textually, it better be on point. Okay, again, I'm just in awe of you. And you mentioned that you've been on some shows. I'm also very excited that this expertise of yours here that I get to be blessed with, you're going to be having your own show as well, which is very, very exciting. It's on National Geographic, The World of Flavor with Big Mo Kaysan. Tell us about this show. I'm so excited about it, Mo. This is beautiful. That's the only thing I can say. It's beautiful, man. It's, I'm just so blessed to have the opportunity to do this and just to be able to showcase to the world who I am and, and what I know. And I love people anyway. I'm a 300-pound social butterfly. I just love meeting people. I love talking to people. And I love learning. That's the big thing for me. Even this beautiful festival here, I'm going to learn. I'll sit back and I'll listen to different demo guys and gals that are doing demos. And, and it's always something to learn. For me, this show is just... It's a dream come true for me, to be honest. It really is. Uh, I've done some other shows back in the past where, you know, I'm, I'm a part of a show, but this is my very own show. And to be able to go to the place, which I love Nat Geo because I was telling some of the executives a long time ago when I first met them that I remember the National Geographic magazine with the yellow border. I don't know if they still make them. I don't know if it's all digital now, but back in the day, the libraries had them. My school had them in the library, and I used to just look and these cool places they're going to, uh, all these places, Africa, Costa Rica, whatever, and it's just, I was always fascinated by all the different cultures. And what's neat about this show, everything is surrounded or gears back to fire, because that's what it is. No matter how long we've been on this globe, human beings, that's one of the earliest things we have done as far as once we started fire, it changed the game on cooking. You know, and no matter where you go, someone's cooking over fire. I don't care what part of the world you're at, someone is going to be cooking over fire. And that is the beauty and the story of it. I was going to say, that's a beautiful through line for you. I love it so much that you have the history with Nacho personally, just your inspiration in and of that. And then now you get to continue your story with telling people and showing people about your passion. So thank you so much, Mo, for just... Top to bottom, thank you again for your service. And then thank you for sharing all of your expertise. And we're really excited to check out this show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. We had a great time walking around the Essence Festival of Culture, including a stop at the Disney booth. There we talked to guests about their Disney fandom for a very special Insider Five. 
Enjoy. We are here in the midst of the celebration of Essence Fest. There's joy all around us. We are so excited to talk to our guest today. Let's ask, what's your name? My name is Kiara. I'm from Houston, Texas. Benny from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Rosalind Mobile. Jackie Lucas, I'm from Woodbridge, Virginia. I'm Janaya, and I'm from Mississippi. I'm Jocelyn, I'm from Raleigh, Mississippi. Sandy, and I am from Riverside, California. Denitra, Riverside, California. Here's the Insider Five's first question. What's your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? My earliest memory is with the Mickey Mouse Club. Same, Mickey Mouse. Back as a little kid, we went to see Bambi. I think mine would be the Goofy movie. I would say The Incredibles. I love your picks. Okay, next question. If you could only ride one ride all day at a Disney park, which would it be? The safari at Animal Kingdom. Toy Story Mania. But I think it's going to be like the teacup ride. Tower of Terror. Nice. It's Disney karaoke night. What song do you sing? Under the Sea by Sebastian. It would be Surface Pressure. I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan. I'm a diehard fan for High School Musical. So I would definitely do All in This Together. So good, you guys. Okay, next question. You're invited to a Disney-themed costume party. Who or what do you dress as? I'm going to dress as Moana. Minnie Mouse. Captain Hook. Uh, Pocahontas. I'm going as Cruella DeVille. Okay, to close this out, which Disney character has the best life advice, and what is it? My favorite advice is just be who you are, and that was part of what Rafiki had stated about be who you are, be yourself, and that's something that I've always lived. Simba, Akuna Matata. Dory, just keep swimming. I have to go with Frozen. I just love the the ending when they had like the sister love rather than focusing on like the prince. So I have to go with Frozen. But life advice for Disney, you can't go around with a Kuna Matata. Means no worries for the rest of, the rest of the day. So I know. Think of that. That's the life lesson for Disney, like all around to me. You wrap that up so beautifully. That's our show. Fire up the grill and learn alongside an award-winning barbecue master in the all-new four-part unscripted series, World of Flavor with Big Bo Quezon, premiering Monday, July 25th at 10, 9 central on National Geographic. So you don't miss any upcoming podcast episodes, subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents. And while you're there, we'd love it if you gave us a rating and review. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code PITMASTER. That's Pitmaster as one word. The code expires August 23rd, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, Insiders, with more Disney movie magic.